My guest today is a great human being. He's the man that birthed me. <clears throat> well, uh, I guess technically he didn't birth me, but you know what I mean. I, I came from his seed. <laughs> All right, but my guest today is my dad. He's a great dude. He just retired from 30 years with the sheriff's department. In this conversation, we talk about his experience as a peace officer. We talk about his faith and how that's played a huge part in his life and how he lives every day, along with other things such as a little bit of fitness, a little bit of fatherhood, being a husband. And uh, yeah, it was a great time talking to him and I hope you enjoy it. This is the Dodd Pod. This is the Dodd Pod with Derek Dodson. With Derek Dodson. All right, thanks for coming on to the podcast, Dad. I know <laughs> this is a little awkward for you. You never even listened to a podcast. Yeah, I'm a, I guess old school. <laughs> <laughs> um, congrats on retirement. Also, you got the the beard coming in. It's the first. This is legit the first time I've ever seen you with the beard. That's because I've never been allowed to grow one for 30 years. <laughs> why is that? Why, don't, why, why do you think they don't let you grow a, a beard? That's just part of grooming standards. There's a standard that uh, the department has, and uh, no, no beards is one of those things. And only a mustache, uh, which can't go past the corners of your mouth. So it's just, it's just soon have no facial hair than uh, a cheesy mustache. <laughs> how, how come you never rock the mustache? Uh, I tried a mustache a long time ago and looking back now, it was pretty cheesy. So I'm, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad I didn't have one while I, while I was on the department. Now don't, don't exceptions are like, if, uh, you work at narco or something like that, they, they allow you to grow a beard and things like that. And narco, is that like the undercover unit? What's, what's narco? Yeah. It's, it's like the, the, uh, the unit that deals with, uh, primarily with going undercover and doing like stings and stuff like that. So they don't want to look like law enforcement, so they allow them to grow beards and stuff like that. Did, did you ever do narco? I did not. Did you want to? Uh, crossed my mind at one time, but things didn't pan out, and uh, I ended up uh, going a different direction and getting involved in more in the training. Okay. Yeah, you're at the Star Academy where you're training deputies. How many years did you spend there? Uh, I spent I spent two years as a, a staff instructor back in the early 2000s and then uh and but that i've been involved in the training aspect in a lot of different ways i was like a training and scheduling sergeant in patrol uh, then the academy di for a couple of years uh and then as a lieutenant i oversaw uh training in the courts and then uh and then most recently my last two years were back at back at the academy as lieutenant overseeing training bureau Okay, let's go a, a rewind just so we can get like, since you've been with the department 30 years, retired, where did it all begin? Uh, or what brought you into law enforcement in the first place? <laughs> well, when I was stationed out here in the Marine Corps, and then my time was coming up, uh, my four years uh, were coming to an end, and I did not want to go back to Virginia where I was from. Uh, I liked California. Uh, you know, the convenience, the beach, the mountains, everything like that. And uh, 
So I decided I'm going to stay out here in California. So I checked with a couple of law enforcement agencies because when you separate from the Marine Corps, people are trying to hire you for different things, different uh, businesses and stuff like that. And um, all the law enforcement agencies that were there, uh, they were pretty much saying it was going to take six months to a year to get hired by the time you go through the whole process. I didn't have a job lined up after the Marine Corps. Uh, so after uh, you're not in Virginia, you need some money. I, I had to survive. So I, I ended up getting uh, testing and getting hired by the Postal Service and was a mailman for uh, for about four years. Did you like it? I, I, I did. I, I liked it uh, to a point. But uh, after El Nino hit and we got rained on like crazy and uh, it was horrible weather and uh, <laughs> I just... I realized at that point, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. So and, it was a uh, rough year delivering mail in the rain every day. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I think I remember that El Nino year. I think I was like a second grader or something. Yeah, it was probably one of the worst rainy seasons we had in California. And, uh, you know, packing soggy Sears catalogs around wasn't what, <laughs> <laughs> what, what I wanted to do for a career. And uh, so I, I, I went back to uh, checking out law enforcement agencies and, uh, eventually applied and got hired by uh, the sheriff's department. And then you were in jails? Uh, uh, and then straight to jails? Because there's usually two paths, right? You can either go straight to jails or to courts? Well, when I went through, uh, you automatically went to the jails after you graduated the academy. Oh, okay, everybody. Yeah, everybody. Oh, okay. And, uh, and then from there, uh, some, some guys went to other things you could do uh, until you went to patrol, like part of, uh, the options where you could stay in the jails, uh, from there you could go work the courts, uh, you could work transportation bureau driving the buses, but eventually when your number came up, you had to go to patrol after you, sp after that time in custody. And so I spent my, my time in, uh, in custody. And then from there, uh, went to patrol later on. Oh, Okay. What, uh, what was your experience like uh, working in the jails? How long did you did you work in the jails for? Uh, I worked in the jails for just over six years. and uh, It's quite a long time in jails. Well, originally I was told uh, by, by the people who hired me that uh, more, more than likely that I'd be looking like at two years in the jails. But after I got hired, the department went on a hiring freeze and uh, shut it down and didn't hire for, I think, almost two, two or more years. And uh, so then that extended time I was stuck in the jails because no, no new hires were coming behind me to push me out. Mm. And so it took two years after that, they finally started gearing up to hire again, but then they have to start the process from scratch because they hadn't hired in so long. So that drawn-out process uh, caused me to be stuck in the jails for about six years. Six years and two months, I think. Because I usually, like within the sheriff's department, at least from like deputy's perspective, you don't really want to be in the jails too too long, right? Like it's it's not necessarily like the ideal place that you want to spend your time. Uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, most people who could come on or apply or get hired, they're their ultimate goal is to go to patrol. I mean, because that's what you want to do. I mean, uh, at least I did and the guys I, I knew did. And, uh, so six years in the jails is more than we wanted to spend, uh, big time. But I mean, it was good experience. Uh, you got exposed, uh, 
you see all kinds of people, pretty much everyone, all the kind of people you'll, you'll deal with in the streets. Yeah, I mean, and, th- and that's just it. Uh, you deal with so many different types of people and, and uh, from so many different areas. Uh, you, you start gaining an understanding of, you know, uh, a lot of times uh, how certain, like, a lot of these guys were career criminals. They were in and out of the jails over and over again. We would see the same guys, like, get released, and then they'd be back in a short period of time. That's sad, isn't and, it? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, if you really think about it. But at the same time, uh, talking to those guys, seeing how, how they, you know, how they deal with, with things, uh, gave you a, a perspective of, of a, a lot of times a perspective of, quote unquote, like a criminal element, like how people who commit crimes again and again and again, how they think. Like their perspectives or yeah, all of that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of weird because you talk to these guys and uh, a lot of times they want to tell you about stuff they did on the street and how they did it and and they were they were oh and you have to take into account like are they being straight with me honest with me or are they just feeding me a line of bull i mean so you have to why do you think they want to tell you guys <laughs> this stuff well are they talking to everyone because one thing about you is you're very approachable you're calm you're 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 nice to anybody you you speak with um were they like that with everyone, or did you, or did you kind of like build somewhat relationships with some of these guys? I mean, uh, you know, the perspective of, uh, I mean, you, you call it the golden rule. I mean, of course, you, are, you already know that, you know, God comes first, and, uh, you know, it's, it's by his grace that uh, I was able to have a 30-year career and, uh, you know, be so fortunate. But, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, the, my, my personal thing was you treat everybody like you want to be treated, and uh, in doing that, I mean, uh, some people felt like they could open up, you know, have a conversation, you know, tell me, you know, for example, uh, I remember talking to uh, a lot of guys about uh, their charges because they, like many, were in for drug-related charges. And uh, so I talked to certain guys and asked them about their crime and, and then start picking the brain, like, so how did you do it? How, where did you stash it at? How did you, what was your, like, how did you operate? Like, how did you go from, you know, getting the drugs to selling the drugs to, you know, using the drugs? And it was just like, uh, like I said. It's like a different world you were hearing Yeah, about. I mean, for me, it was, it was a, a world I had never been exposed to. And uh, it was just a weird getting, you know, their perspective. But at the same time, it kind of opened your eyes to the uh, you know stuff going on that you weren't aware of how, how they you know did their little operations and uh, you know and and then a lot of times you know these guys are, are feeding you a line of bull too because you know there's only so much they're going to be honest and, and tell you about but yeah right wait why is he asking all this stuff what am I what am I going to leave out yeah or make but up? It, it's it was just a different totally di- different atmosphere inside the jails I mean. I remember one story that sticks out to me. Um, I don't know the specifics of the story, but I remember you, you, you I always, I, this was a long time ago too, like we were little. And I just remember you, you said this, um, that there's some pre, uh, inmate that asked you like, oh, like, are you Christian or something like that? Because he said he could tell. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but I remember you, you said that to me. And then, um, and then our neighbor down the street, same thing um he lives a couple houses down and he had just gotten out and then 
like one time he told me he's just like oh he was just like praising about you saying like oh you're such a good man you just got like this light coming out of you um uh, what did does anything like stand out to you or do you remember that yeah i mean i, I don't know if i remember that instance specifically but uh i mean and that goes back to you know you know part of people's core beliefs and and what they uh just how they choose to live their life and uh you know <laughs> the frame that term christian i mean you know there's good christians and bad christians and uh just like for, for me it's just always at least i tried to I always go back to the golden rule is just you know trying to treat trying to treat people uh the way i would want to be treated if the roles were reversed and uh and then and there were there were some i mean there there were uh guys i spoke to in uh in the jails who who were christians and uh you know they were they would talk to me about you know what, what they were into it for and and would almost be apologetic because uh, of why they were there and you know how they were going to make the change and, and turn things around and uh you know not and that, those those are few few and far in between i mean you, you, that doesn't happen like super frequently what where uh, inmates want to share their you know uh you know core beliefs and stuff like that especially with uh, a guard at the jail right right and that that's i'm sure that's not perceived uh well with other inmates. Uh, other inmates or something like that who are in there with them but but uh yeah i i do remember that yeah, that's that's uh that's that must be pretty cool. Um, just that people can notice that. What what kind of led you to like you said? That's just the way the way you live. The way have you always been like that? Were you like that in the Marines? Were you like that growing up in Virginia? Uh, yeah. I mean, to a point. I mean, uh, I think. I mean, I've always believed in God, but it was. I would say that. I wasn't as devout as I should have been or, or, or should be. Uh, I, I tended to always come to God when I was in trouble, <laughs> when I had yeah. something going on in my life that was tough and I didn't know how to deal with it or how to you know get through it or get out of it. That was the time I always come running back to God and help me, help me. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I won't do this anymore if you give me this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of times I, I never do it again. And, you know, making bad decisions, whether... You know, it was with finances or uh, just in life in general. And but uh, I would say I, I was baptized back east, you know, back in Virginia. I think I was I want to say right around 12 years old, I think. And then uh, shortly after that, you, you know, my mom and dad got a divorce. And uh, so kind of stopped going to church and, you know, faded away from, you know, uh, being part of a regular uh, uh, church outing in our lives. And uh, so then I went to the Marine Corps. And then, uh, you know, again, I still remember boot camp saying, Lord, help me. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And, you know, so every struggle, every every tough spot, I always went back to God. Yeah. Even though I strayed away and did my own thing on times in between. But uh, I can remember when... I got hired by the department and mom was pregnant with you as a matter of fact. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah, so I was super nervous about, you know, 
because uh, there's always potential to get injured, to fail a test, to do something that gets you separated from, you know, uh, the, the academy. So I was, I was super anxious about losing, like, not not completing the academy and then not having a job and then with you and mom and your brothers and you know uh i came i, I remember i was uh i was praying quite a bit back in those days you know just because uh of my fears and uh you know not making it through and then how that would affect us and and you guys and and then uh i remember the lamp years around the corner inviting josh to church uh, to kids club and then uh, slowly we, we got pulled uh, uh, over or into the church through that because uh, kids club uh, evolved into us starting to go to church and then us getting involved in groups and uh, uh, I would say that's where my faith became uh, greater than it had been uh, and uh, I mean my faith, it's always been there. I've always, you know, believed and trusted in God and, you know, believe, you know, Christ is our, our Lord and Savior. And, uh, but I haven't always lived uh, that way or as. Yeah, I mean, no, no I, I one. Mean, yeah, I mean. Not many people, you know, we're humans. Um, what, what's, a, what's faith to you? Is it, um, like, when you, when you speak about, like, God, is it experiential in any sense? where like you feel connected with God or, 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 or what would you like, how would you describe your, your faith or, or relationship with God? Uh, faith. Uh, I, there's a, there's a phrase from the Bible, I think that says, uh, faith is being certain of what we hope for and sure of what we can't see. Uh, which I mean, I, I think is certain what we hope for. We hope to be, uh, in heaven, you know, when we leave, when we leave this life here and, uh, uh, sure of what we, we can't see, meaning we can't see God, we can't see, you know, physically, um, but, uh, but in some sense you, you can't even see God. Um, because like if, if you just everything from, well, from trees to, yeah, to I mean, people, I mean, you definitely see evidence of God and, and all the, all the, that is created. I mean, uh, this world, uh, us human beings. I mean, we're we're we're, we're so complex in how we're how we're made and designed, and uh, just the, the that complexity is way beyond anything that uh, that we can really like understand. I mean, just in how we we function, how our how our eyes work, how our hearing works, how our speech works, how our, how our body exists and and functions and and it's it's just so crazy and complicated that there's no way uh that for me anyway that 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 could be like a mistake or an accident uh, yeah i mean just just the way we're designed is is so incredible that uh it's easier for me to believe that there's a great and powerful god who made us in his likeness and his image um that's easier for me to believe than to think that by some random chance there was some explosion in the in the space that created the first life and that evolved into all that we have today i i mean that's well, just, that I makes mean, a greater leap, leap of faith for me than uh, in, in believing that you know god is real and and uh but do you think like that that to me like if the big bang was what you're referring to right right, right. so like 
that happening to me that doesn't necessarily like take away from god um because how did that happen you know and it's also like what what do you think god is are you like picturing god as like a man are you picturing god as like the essence of life energy um no, no. What, what gives life to everything like what what do you well, picture I, it as I believe I don't know if you've heard of the Trinity of God, but it's it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Father being God, Son being Jesus, and uh, and the Holy Spirit being 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 the Spirit of God. And uh, so when I think of God, I don't think of a, a man. I th- I think of this like all powerful, all knowing, uh, forever existing. Uh, I don't want to say spirit, but uh, um, God, God is not something that, like, I, I, in my opinion, in my belief, that everybody talks about, oh, like the, the man upstairs referring to God. Well, he's not a man. He, he's this uh, power that exists above and beyond, beyond everything because he created everything. And then, if, and then as far as physical, I believe that Jesus Israel, and and he he came here as a as a as an infant, grew into a man, and then uh, when he left uh, after he'd been on earth, he sent his Holy Spirit down. Which now, uh, for for those who believe in Christ and believe in Him as their Lord and Savior, and uh, that Spirit lives in you, within you, uh, and all it takes is asking for it to happen. I mean, you just got to come to God. Uh, you know, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I almost, I'm not trying to get on a soapbox. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, I, like I, that, I, but, but you're I, just sharing your beliefs. Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, and I, I know a lot of people believe like because there's different branches of Christianity. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, and one thing just a little bit off topic, but it's it's really interesting to me how um, a lot of different religions kind of come back to some some they share some some like core commonalities of like the spirit life within within all all like being one in a sense right uh yeah i mean it, it's tough it's tough for a lot of people uh to uh to come to christianity because uh, people people are like well you know then how is he a merciful god if he only if he only allows this one way to come to him which is through faith in Christ and, you know, believe, believing that we're sinners, uh, we need a savior and that, uh, Christ is that, is that savior. And so for, for a lot of people, they're like, uh, you know, how can, how can your God be a loving God? If the only way he, you can come to him is, uh, by saying you believe in Jesus and all this and that. Right. But that it's kind of the wrong question. It's, it's not like, why is that the only way it's like, why is there any way? Why? Why does? Why are we offered any chance? Because we're all we're all screwed up. We're all like like I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. And uh, do we deserve a chance? Do we deserve any kind of break? Because how often are, are we just all about ourselves? I mean, myself included. Uh, all about myself. Uh, what I want to do when I want to do it, as opposed to you know uh, living out like faith faith in God and, 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 and believing that, Hey, he, he offered us a path, even though we didn't deserve that. He made that available to us. So, so that's what I believe. Yeah. I mean, 
I I mean I'm I'm grateful um, that I I grew up in a church and in in a Christian household because you know it gave me morals, um, gave me a, a connection with God. Um, you know, it, here and there, like I didn't always have like a, a strong connection that, but um, now I consider myself having like a strong connection with God, but like in in a different way. Um, like the way I kind of view. Uh, Christ, Christianity, religions, um, different religions is, I think they're all valuable and they all hold truth and that they're just different paths to the same hilltop. Um, this is the way I, I kind of view it. And I know that's not necessarily a, a Christian belief, um, but I don't know that's just the way I feel from, from my, from the way I feel connected with God. Right. Um, like, for example, like I, I meditate. One, I do it just for my mind and for clarity and all those things. Um, but also, like, when I feel like when I could quiet my mind, like you said, we're all, like, sinners and all that. Well, like, a lot of our poor actions, poor choices we make come from our, our, our thoughts. And we engage with thoughts that aren't helpful or or beneficial to us or, or kind to others. And we, and the thing is like, we can't like stop those thoughts from coming up. They just come up. And then sometimes we just get taken for a ride by them. Um, but through like meditation, I can notice when those thoughts pop up now. And, um, I don't like judge myself about them. Like, Oh, I'm so such a bad person or I'm sinning for, for thinking that. Cause I didn't even choose to have that thought pop up. That thought just popped up in my head. But I do have, when I'm aware, I can notice that thought and choose not to engage with it, not to take it personally. And I, I just find that when when I'm most quiet is, at least my mind, is when I find I make the uh, the best choices for myself, um, when I feel the most sense of, of peace and all, all of those things. And I, I feel like one of the first times that, that I felt this, um, I, I think it was that I was like... I don't know, like early in college, early college or yeah, I might've been like a freshman or sophomore in college, but I was in this like church group and they were singing, worshiping. And I usually never sing or worship. Um, but just cause I didn't feel comfortable singing. Like I just had never right. felt comfortable singing at, at church and I didn't really get it, you know? Um, but that time I, I, I got into it and then like, I was just completely in the moment um, I wasn't thinking about how I was being perceived singing or anything like this. And I just remember feeling like this super sense of, of peace and I, I didn't know what to make of it by, but I, I just felt like a, a sense of connection. And, um, I get that, that same thing from like when I meditate or just, or just sometimes when I go outside in the morning and, and walk outside, I hear the birds chirping. Um, you know, I'm just connecting my breath. I, I don't know. I, I just... What I guess I, I guess what I'm trying to say is when I get away from my ego is when when I, I feel um, the most connected. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it's, everybody has their, their you know their own beliefs about you know faith and religion and uh, I mean <laughs> there, there's so many things that that uh, I could say, but it's like for for me when I, when I think about it. Uh, it's easy to get skewed or, or to get off track. And, and that's why, I mean, for me, I think it's important to, that I, to basically get into the Bible to, to, I consider that I, our, 
actual words from God that give us guidance and direction on our faith, how we're to, how we're to live, how we're to believe. And because I'm, I'm sure that I'm probably screwing it up to some degree and, and trying to explain it, but um, there, there was that song that was out the, uh, one time called uh, There's a God, There's a God Shaped Hole in All of Us. I, I forget uh, who sings it. But uh, that's something that, that uh, I do believe there, there is a, there's a, a God-shaped hole in all of us. And, and in, this, in this hole inside of us, we choose what we fill it with. Uh, is it going to be about, hey, I, I want to make as much money as I can. I want to be uh, uh, as high up in the company as I can get, uh, you know, whether it's material or financial or uh, I want to be famous uh, so all these kind of like uh, identities, all that these things we, we, we try to shove in that empty space inside of us. And, uh, and I believe the only thing that fills that space because everything else, uh, like, Oh, I got to have another new car. Oh, I want this car now I, because you know, you think, uh, you look badass in the car or whatever. Uh, just as an example, but you just never, you, you, you yeah. get that new car and then you want the next new car and you want the next big thing and you want the next electronic gizmo and you want, but None of it, none of it ever truly satisfies. None of it ever fills that hole because, yeah. because I believe that the only thing can, that can fill that, I, I call it that God-shaped hole, is God. Yeah. And uh, and and it's better explained uh, by a long shot by by reading, you know, the Bible than than listening to me ramble. But uh, that that's what I believe. I think the only way that we can ever truly fill at peace, like you were talking about is is that relationship with god and uh you talked about like uh where you go outside and it's peaceful to me that for me that's been one of the biggest ways in in my mind that uh i i like have connection with god aside from reading the bible and things like that and fellowshipping and is uh is just seeing the amazing creation uh that he made like when you see that that sunrise or sunset and or those mountains the and mountains are, are, the, are the, the oceans are just so, so much like incredible beauty that that's here and uh just gets filled with gratitude yeah I, I and then at the same time back to you know okay do i believe that god created all this or do i believe that you know big bang and all or is it even for us to years? investigate you know like what answers we'll never we'll never have with our monkey minds <laughs> right like as far as like trying to like you know some people just get obsessed with like figuring it out uh and and i mean that's the thing is uh you have to come to that decision you have to come to that you have to go through that journey yourself yeah and uh and i mean it's it's just it's it's hard to explain but but for me, I mean, I, I truly believe that, that, like I said, that, that hole inside of us can only be filled by God. And, and the thing is, uh, it's not a one-time thing like, hey, I believe in God now, uh, I'm done. It's, it's, it's basically uh, a way you live after that. And, and part of that is, uh, I mean, the, the, uh, the two golden rules, uh, first is, uh, for me, it's, uh, the first commandment, the biggest one, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and spirit. And then the second is, is like it and love your uh, neighbor as yourself. And, and so if I put God first, then everything else will fall in place. Uh, but usually I don't put God first. Usually I put me first. 
<laughs> because the, the way that I live, uh, uh, flying off the handle, driving out the freeway, getting angry, uh, uh, maybe saying some things that are not so nice about the guy who cut me off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's like that same mouth that just, you know, cursed this person is, is now going to, you know, sing praises and songs to God. Uh, it shows how messed up we are as a. I think a lot a of that like comes down to like taking yourself so seriously, um, like and taking everything so personally. And like I said earlier, like a lot of like the freeway incident. Uh, me and Juan were talking about that in the last podcast. Like that. <laughs> that's that's really just your your mind going on this tangent. And then once you take a step back and you realize well, I'm still thinking and angry about that in my head, even though it happened five minutes ago. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a big grudge holder myself. It takes me a while to, to come back down and be level-headed uh, when, yeah. when I get torqued. But, but, but just to go back to that real quick, uh, yeah. those two commandments, the first and second uh, that I mentioned is uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who are they talking about as your neighbor? Everyone. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's everyone who's not you. Yeah. I mean, it could be your, your family members. It could be your neighbor next door. You know, it could be a person you haven't even met yet. And uh, so I, it's, it's not literal neighbor. Like we can only, you know, yeah, the people, for the people who, who live next to us. But just like Human you said, beings, it's, yeah. it's all of us. It's everyone. So, but that's why it's got to be God first. And then they, and then everyone else after that. Uh, and then when you say God first, that almost feels like um, feeling that, that God shaped hole in yourself. First. right so that way you can live that 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 way it's like and then that way that comes out of you when when you're just like when you're working the jails and you're seeing these people as my neighbors even though we're in this scenario where we're in these roles where i'm the guard and you're the inmates you're still seeing those people as right. as your neighbors yeah i mean yeah basically and i mean everything is to a degree like uh if you're in the jail, for instance, and you're not going to go, you know, arms around each other and singing, you know, singing the church songs with the, yeah. with the, with the uh, you know, the deputies and the inmates. But you don't need to. But, you, but yeah, you don't need to because we're, we have to live, we have to live these, these roles to an extent with like our jobs. We have to do them in, in compliance or in accordance to how they're supposed to be done. But it goes back to, well, even in like uh, Bible days. Uh, people's like sold themselves into slavery to pay debts, and then you know, so you have these uh, people who are high up in society and wealthy, and and these people who basically uh, sell themselves into slavery to pay off debts that they owe these people. Well, part of the uh, scriptures in the Bible talk about uh, basically how you're supposed to treat everyone the same as far as. Uh, you know, whether, whether they're indentured to you as a slave, uh, they've enslaved themselves to you, or, you know, they're, they're your high society uh, people that you hang out with or whatever. Uh, regardless of status and uh, whatever title somebody might have, we're still supposed to treat that person with dignity and with respect and uh, uh, like we would want to be treated if we were in those same shoes. Yeah. So, I mean, it, that, now that doesn't take away that you know, hey, I, I owe this debt. I have to pay it off. I have to do it, you know, whatever are the means that are made available to me to do that. But it doesn't mean, like, I have to talk down to that person or that person has to talk down to me. Uh, we're, we each have our, our roles to play. 
but we can still be kind. We can still be respectful. We can still show dignity, and we can still like, uh, you know, treat those people like we would be. We want to be treated. I mean, for crying out loud, every show, all these shows you see on TV or whatever, it's always about you know the the person being you know beat down and treat mis mistreated, and and then uh, and then when that turn comes and that that person's lifted up or that person or circumstances change and now you know this person who was like you know, beat down all this time is now like in a different position. And, you know, we, we cheer for those people. We, it, it makes us feel good because when we see people who were downtrodden and then turn it around. Get underdogs. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's something that's like, I don't know. Uh, every, everybody loves to see, uh, you know, the, the underdog come back and, uh, you know, things to go well for them. And it's just unfortunate that those underdogs can't get, as much love while they're underdogs and when they may need the love the most like a, a homeless person for example yeah like if a homeless person turned them um turn themselves maybe found success and are no longer homeless and stuff like no a lot of times when we when we see homeless people that people won't even make eye contact with them when, if they do give them money you know it's like they're not even seeing them as, as humans right and i mean you know it's tough because uh, I think, uh, you know, we're all guilty of it. Yeah. All of us. For I sure. Mean, I mean, myself included, uh, it's just, uh, it, it's, it's extremely hard on a daily routine basis to put other people ahead of ourselves and, and myself included. And, you know, it could be anything from that person in line at, uh, at the grocery store who doesn't look like they have enough to pay their, their, their grocery bill or, uh, like you say, you know, this this homeless person who's out there panhandling for money. It's like, if we give money, we, we know what it's going to be used for. I mean, it's going to be used to go buy alcohol or drugs or something like that nine times out of ten. But should that should that matter to us if, we, yeah. if we're able to give that uh, person? Right. Put conditions who, on who, our help. Who knows? Maybe maybe that money is going to buy his first meal that he had. You know that he hasn't had in a week or something like that. Or who knows? He might, uh, you might give him that money, and you might look at him as a person. You might have a, a short conversation with him. Then he might go go buy what drugs, for example. He might go buy drugs, but that might stick in his mind, and that might plant a seed that hey, like I'm worthy, or I, like I can, I maybe I should change. It could just so even if they do that, you, you you can never underestimate like what what kindness can do to someone, even if. They're not gonna change like right away, and they, I mean, that's for they're just going on the homeless um, population. That, that's like all a lot of them have, and some of them like I'm like I don't even know where you would start if to yeah, get out of that. I mean, it's it seems like a mountain. You know, yeah, I mean the world's uh, imperfect. Climb, but, yeah. but I guess I guess we have to remember we can only do what we can do at the station we're at, like yep. with the means that we have, and uh, I mean. It's tough. Yeah, I I uh, I shared this before on a different episode before, but I read this book. It's just about loving kindness, and she talks about generosity and stuff. And a lot of times, um, there might be uh, a homeless person, right? And and then we look in our wallet, and we only have like a ten dollar bill, and then we're like, Nah, like, like, I'm and, not giving that ten bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and then we close it. it. But part of us wanted to give it to them. Uh, so she so she talks about. Within your means, of course, like you don't want to make yourself go broke, but um, go with that first instinct. Go with that first instinct to help someone. 
um, when, when so like so that's something I've been trying to do now I usually never carry cash but now I'll just keep like 5, 10, 20 bucks always in. keep some ones <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, was, I, I feel like you're right we do have that tendency to not to like not do the thing that we know we should do but when we do do that thing it feels so right right and it's that it's the thing that the hesitation is like you, you want to do it you know it's the right thing to do but it's like, but I can't make myself do it for like, like you have a limit in your mind, for example, like you say, you got that ten, $10 bill in your wallet. Now, if you had had a $5 bill and five ones, you probably would have gave that, that guy one or two bucks. Yeah. Because that was something you, you were willing to part with. But uh, I totally get it. I mean, I've done it myself. Yeah. I mean, so, sometimes you open that wallet up and there's nothing in there. I mean, just because we, we haven't don't, exactly. been in the bank or, you know, got paid yet or, or whatever. But, uh, yeah. So for me, that's, that's why I'm really into to mindfulness and mindfulness is, is just being aware of your, the thoughts in your head, what you're engaging with. Like the idea behind mindfulness is, just being and mindfulness has nothing to do uh i mean it could be be spiritual ways but mindfulness itself like mindfulness that's taught in schools mindfulness that's taught in hospitals and stuff the idea behind it is just to be in the moment non-judgmentally um because a lot of times like we might be physically here but mentally or we're somewhere else we're thinking about something that's going to happen 10 minutes later five minutes later a day later what you need for dinner or we're thinking about something in the past um, whether it be that guy cutting you off two minutes ago right. or an argument you had earlier in this morning or, or, or whatever it is. And like those thoughts pull you away from the current moment, which is really all we have. The past, that doesn't exist anymore. The future doesn't even exist. All that really exists is this moment right now. And if we care about our future, then what better way to care about it than be fully in, in the present? And not only physically, but mentally, so when those thoughts pop up, you don't get like pulled away. Um, when the thought pops up, like you put, you look in that wallet and you're and then you see that ten dollar bill and I and your mind's like, that's ten bucks, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you you notice that, but you're like, eh, like you don't have to listen to all your thoughts, you know. Right. So that's where I find it powerful, just because now I, I'm. It's like it's almost like self science. You're just exploring yourself and how your mind operates. And if we want to make positive changes or make any different choices as far as our behavior patterns, the first step is your thoughts because every, everything we do really starts as a thought, right? Whether it be something we say or something we do, it originated as, as a thought. And then those, there's like a saying, thoughts become your words, words become your actions, actions become your habits, and your habits become your destiny. And uh, I thought that that was pretty powerful because it, it is true. Those our habits really shape our lives. Yeah, I remember. I forget who said it, but I mean, you hear it all the time about attitude. Uh, attitude is everything. Well, I mean, realistically, uh, attitude is is everything because yeah. attitude is is the way we we live. It's the way we speak. It's the way we 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 treat people. Attitude is everything. Attitude is one of the few things that we have have control over. We mm. definitely don't have control over everything going on in our lives around us. We don't have control over anyone else around us. We don't have control over, you know, uh, today having a job, tomorrow not having a job. But 
we do have control over our attitude. Yeah. And, and I don't say that meaning, oh, that, that guy's got an attitude, bad attitude, whatever. Uh, but, but to an extent, it's true because that, that attitude that we carry, that we have, that we portray, is the only thing that we can really control. And what do we do with it? Do we, do we walk around with their chip on our shoulder? Uh, or, or do we make ourselves seem that we're approachable and you know uh, people can have a conversation with us? Uh, it, it's it's how we treat that homeless person. It's how we treat you know our neighbors. How we treat someone we haven't even met yet. Uh, and so ultimately, I mean, I, I think that expression is true. Attitude is everything because uh, it's one of the few, if not only, things that we can control. And, and you definitely do carry yourself with a great attitude. That that that's uh, I, I think that rubbed off on me. Because I've always been like Luke, uh, one of my best friends, um, he, him and his cousin Adam were always kind of clowning me because I, like I'm the overly optimistic guy, um, <laughs> I always positive or, or, or whatever. And I definitely got that from you. And, and uh, it was funny at, at your retirement party a couple of days ago, Nick said your, your vibe is infectious or contagious. I mean, infectious is more relevant with COVID going on, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's so true. It, it, your vibe really is infectious and, um, you just got this calming sense about you. And like, I've, I've seen you irritated and stuff before. Of course you've seen me irritated, but where a father, never, son, never, <laughs> ever, ever. But one thing I'll say is you don't let that attitude linger or, um, last very long. Like at times we do have, we do resist the things that are out of our control where we're like fighting it mentally then we're just pissed off because we can't have control or things aren't going the way we want, but you're really quick to let go and then just accept it is what it is. And that's kind of the model that you and mom both do. You both are, are super positive people and just going to roll with whatever life brings. Wow. I got I got to give mom more credit than than myself and that because she she's definitely helped me in that in that area. Mom's amazing. Uh, she's uh she's uh, unlike any person I've ever met. Uh, which goes back to God that he graced that he allowed me to marry such a great woman, and uh, she uh, she's probably uh, uh, not probably but I mean God comes first but. Uh, she's definitely the second greatest thing in, in, in my life for sure. And hey, moms will be mad when she hears that second greatest <laughs> thing. <laughs> I'm just playing. God beat me out. What are you talking about? <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, she's seen me in, in you know not so great uh, moments of, of that's marriage, of right? Attitude, but uh, uh, she definitely uh, has reeled me in in many many ways. But uh, yeah, I, I mean. It's hard to express uh, my gratitude for for you know just the things I've been blessed with in my life with with mom with you and your brothers with uh, a career I mean so many different things to be grateful for but uh, I really think that like when I really believe this when you live uh, quote unquote like the right way when you live positively. Um, when you live with, when you're well-intentioned and all those things, I think good things follow that. Um, like, I, I don't think it's an, an accident that you had all, all of these blessings. Even though there's been road bumps and points of suffering, hardship, I, I ultimately, like, 
like you say, we've lived a really blessed life. And um, I, I attribute a lot of that just to you living really well, carrying yourself really well. And like you said, that attitude, I think attitude is so, so important. Isn't it weird how like with attitude when you have a negative attitude or or you're angry or, or irritated, it's just all around you. Everything seems to just irritate you. Um, <laughs> your your patience wears thin. No, I mean it's it's easy to to give into that that anger and frustration, and uh, it takes a lot less effort to be angry and bitter than it does to be uh, open and kind and generous. And uh, those those things take a lot more effort. And whereas just being angry and bitter and, and uh, uh, unkind is so easy to do because yeah. <laughs> and I, back on my soapbox, but it becomes so easy to do because it's so easy uh, to be negative and to just like spew that, you know, negativity and, and that, that bad attitude at other people. And it just creates more, uh, you know, negativity. And whereas on the flip side, you, you know, you try to turn that around and, and be positive and, and be, you know, kind and generous and, uh, show, show gratefulness. And those things take a lot of effort. And for me, uh, <laughs> for, for me, I often don't have the strength to, to do it, to do any of that. It's way, it's way easier for me just to want to do my own thing and, and, you know, not give two cents about, you know, the next person, but that's where my strength comes from God as opposed to myself, because I don't really have that much strength myself or, or if any, uh, to do the right thing and to do, uh, you know, uh, that thing that's going to maybe show kindness or uplift someone else. I definitely uh, don't have that strength on my own. That to me, uh, that all comes, uh, from God. Yeah. So, uh, cause it's way easier for me just to be a knucklehead. <laughs> yeah. For anyone. It's so easy to do that, to give into that. So let's uh, go back to your career. Um, so you're you're in the jails for five years, um, six six years. Sorry, I'm a bad listener. Uh, so, <laughs> so six years. I just imagine for because you know I was trying to be a cop for a minute, and I remember I went on one jail tour, and I you know I had no idea what jails are like. Um, and then I, when I w- went on that short little jail tour, going to different floors. Um, I was just like, this place is not a pleasant place at all. And I just imagine being around that kind of negativity all the time and seeing people at their worst in some senses. Uh, that, especially like as a new cop, your your first six years are just being surrounded by this negativity. And I, I can imagine for some, it didn't happen to you, which I'm interested to hear about how, but for some, I can imagine that can make them go into the streets with a certain view of people, um, especially people who they consider criminals or, or, or whatever it may be. H- how were you able to keep like, uh, did, did you struggle with that at all when you went to the streets? Did, what was that experience like for you? How did you deal with the negativity in the jails? Uh, I mean, I can't, I, go ahead. Sorry. I, I mean, it's like anything else. It, it's just how you, how you choose to respond to you know, the situation you're in, uh, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard to explain, but, uh, for me, like I surrounded myself with, with other guys I worked with 
who were like-minded that as I was, mm-hmm. I mean, who, you know, basically had a, you know, the belief that, Hey, we're here to do our job and, you know, we're not here to be Mr. Rogers or, and we're not here to be, you know, uh, some, uh, some enforcer or something like that. We're, we're here to, this is our job. This is what we're supposed to do. This is how we do it. And, uh, and that's what we did. And, you know, I, uh, I want to say, you know, like everybody, you have bad days. You have, <laughs> you have days where you're like this, this job really sucks because, yeah. You know, just in some of the things you're dealing with, uh, but ultimately, uh, you know, those are moments like anything else, and and they pass, and then you, you have to stay focused on the positive, and uh, you know, and again, uh, as often as possible, as often as you're able, uh, with that mentality for me about uh, just trying to always treat other people like I would expect to be treated, and. Uh, but even then, I mean, for some people, it doesn't matter what you say. They're going to have an attitude against you, not like you, uh, uh, whatever the case may be. Yeah, it's, just, it's so, some things, you, like I said, you, you try to do the best that you can. Uh, you live with it. And, and, you know, learn from your mistakes and, yeah. and then move, move forward. So after the jails, you then what, went to patrol at Carson? Yes, Okay, so I, you went on patrol. How many years did you spend on patrol before you went into uh, training? Uh, nine years. All right, nine years? Okay. Yeah. So just because just one thing that bugged me growing up is, you know, as you know, you're a cop. There's a lot of hatred um, for cops, which a lot of it is, is really unjust. Um, a lot of it is, is built on these, like, little snippets that they see when they see the worst of cops instead of really considering – all the things you guys see, encounter, deal with effectively and in a positive way. Um, I, what I guess what I'm trying to ask is, um, like, what were there any situations? Like, let's give people just a little glimpse of some of the the things you've you've seen, you've experienced, just so they could kind of see what you guys are working with. I uh, I mean, what the the biggest things that stick with you are are, are you know when death occurs. And whether it's, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say fortunately for, for me, uh, I've never shot anyone. No one's ever shot me. Uh, uh, the time that I was in patrol, uh, none of my partners have ever been shot. Uh, and, and, I mean, just been fortunate in, in, in that sense. And, but... Uh, but death in general, whether it's a natural cause or whether it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of gang shootings that unfortunately occur and to roll up on those kind of scenes. And I mean, you know, these, these gang shootings that occurred, you know, they have family members that, that cared about them and loved them. And I mean, you can't, I mean, even though it's, it's hard to explain, but I'll say that it's real easy to put yourself um, in a position where you, you're like desensitized to things because when, when you see that trauma, that uh, you know the broken families that come from it, when you when you see the the you know the shootings and deaths that occur, uh, and, and even when you roll into things that are natural causes and stuff like that, when when you see these things. Uh, it's you, you have to like 
compartmentalize these things because uh, for most people uh, who, who get exposed to that kind of stuff, it, it, it would be something that for a lot of people, they would probably not come back to work the next day and, and the things that they have to see and stuff like that. And uh, so let me, let me say this. Uh, when, whenever you see video or even if you're on a scene of where uh, someone's been injured or hurt or death is involved, uh, and then they zoom in uh, on the officers on containment or whatever, and, and, uh, and they're laughing and joking around or whatever, uh, people get upset by that. But, but what people don't realize is that uh, that's, that's kind of a, and what I've come to learn is that's kind of a defense mechanism is like, if we stayed focused on, you know, the gravity of the situation and how horrific it is sometimes what you have to see and uh, deal with, I, I think it, it would, it would drive most people like crazy. I mean, literally, because you can't deal with this, this kind of, uh, you know, trauma and, and, and the horror scenes, for lack of a better expression, sometimes that we roll into, and and, uh, and it not affect you mentally. Uh, so, a lot of times, uh, one of those defense reactions is just like you, you start joking around and, and laughing about something stupid, or yeah. uh, like somebody says some stupid joke, or somebody makes some stupid comment, and uh, you know it it, cause, it it takes your mind away from wh- where you're at, what you're in, and. Uh, so I, because I've actually had people like hit me up about that before. How can you, how can you be laughing? It's such a horrific, you know, such a terrible thing that happened and this, this and that. And it's not that you're, you're, you're not laughing at these people. You're not laughing at the situation. You're just, that laughter is just like a mechanism trying yeah. to get your mind off what you're dealing with and, and how crazy it is sometimes. But, but yeah, I mean, I mean, in, my, in that time in patrol, uh, shoot, I can't count how many times I've come across uh, shootings where people have died and been significantly injured. Uh, I mean, you've seen like, like you've seen in a sense, not obviously not like a war zone exactly, but like pieces of that, right? Like, like brains coming out, um, having to tell, like you told me, you had to tell a mom that her son died in a DUI accident. Um, yeah, so yeah. You've seen some crazy stuff, at, and I'm just when yeah, you're talking, I, I won't get into the yeah. the gross parts of it, but but yeah, I mean, I have seen things like that, and and uh, I say one of the worst things ever was was having to go, you know, tell a, uh, a person one of their family members is is dead because of a, a DUI, and uh, I mean, you, people. <laughs> When people come into law enforcement, I don't think they really think about that side of the job because, you know, the, the common line is, oh, I want to make a difference. I want to, you know, you know, help my community, this, this and that. But there's a more sober side of the job when, when you have to deal with those things. And uh, it's just, I'm, I don't want to say you, you learn how to do it, but you, you grow accustomed in having to deal with those things yeah, because that's part of your job. You know, it's kind of become numb to it a little bit. Yeah. Numb, maybe it might, might be strong, maybe a little desensitized okay. to it. Uh, not that it's not important or you make light of anything. It's just uh, sometimes uh, people have different ways of dealing with the things they see and have to witness and have to yeah. deal with. And and, have, uh, did you have deputies that you knew that 
couldn't do that? Because I can't imagine everyone's able to do that. Do you think that like is, do you think all, what you just described, uh, the reality of your guys' job is, because is why, for example, you guys might may have higher divorce rates or why deputies might go to alcohol heavily or anything I, I mean, like that's, that? that's definitely very possible. It's, you know, dealing with scenes like that constantly, uh, maybe also dealing with, you know, depending on the situation, what's going on publicly is uh, people pretty much hating you for, for lack of a better That's heavy, ex- ha- yeah. ha- uh, expression. And the thing is, it's, it's hard not to take those kind of things personal. But I mean, when, when you think about it, you know, that person doesn't know me or any other officer or deputy from anyone else in the world. All, all they're focused on is that uniform. Yeah. They hate you or they dislike you or they distrust you. Uh, because of a uniform that you wear. And, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but, uh, you know, all, all these things that, that are focused on in the media or whatever about bad cop this, bad cop that, uh, I mean, to some degree, I'm, I'm sure some of them may be true, but at the same time, uh, it, seems like, it seems like the full story or the full truth is never shared yeah. when when you know the people start going down that that avenue when but, it, if it bleeds it, it it leads or whatever they say right like they they just care about what's going to get people the about most ratings upset and, and, and i'm by no means saying that you know uh cops are perfect and all that because uh you know i think what people fail to realize a lot of times is uh all peace officers uh all deputies all people in those type of authority positions are all human i mean none of us are perfect uh, I mean, uh, for the, from my, my own perspective and, and, you know, myself, everybody that, uh, that I worked with, uh, that I always saw had, had a, a good work ethic, uh, honest, they had integrity. And, uh, if I thought there's any chance of a person other than that, I definitely wouldn't put myself in a position where I would be working with them or, uh, or anything like that, if that were to occur. But I was fortunate. I, I mean, like-minded people tend to follow like-minded people. Yeah. And uh, you guys find each other. Yeah. I, I mean, the the group of people I worked with, uh, were good. Yeah. No. I'm, I, I mean, you just had your your retirement. Some of them were here, and they're all really good people. People I grew up with at times too. And yeah, I mean, just awesome. just people who who are family people and. Uh, you know, just make an effort to do the right thing the right way. And, you know, I've been, like I said, I've been extremely fortunate and blessed in, in those areas. Yeah. And so you did patrol. You saw, so let's, we, we're going heavy on the negative. Are there any like really positive moments you've had or that you can remember of maybe where like an interaction with someone or um, where you're able to help someone out or, or something like that, that that sticks out to you? Or where you've just felt really appreciated? Uh, I, I mean, just oftentimes, just uh, just driving up and down the streets, not uh, not doing anything in particular, but just you know, when you're in the street, you have an area you're responsible for, uh, and and then having people just come up, talk to you, and uh, just say, hey, you know what? We appreciate the job you do. Uh, we think you guys are great. Uh, you know, thanking us for just driving up and down the street. Thanking us for even had people thanking us for uh, uh, giving some uh, citations in a neighborhood because people were speeding up and down that neighborhood and you know they and, and rightly so they were <laughs> but uh, just uh, 
uh, because there were kids in the neighborhood and, you know, just thanking you for doing the job that you were doing. And uh, I, I would say that's probably, that, that part was always unexpected, but, but uh, really cool when it happened. And, uh, you know, over the years, uh, you know, it, it happened, you know, quite a bit on and off, just people appreciating, you know, the job that you're doing and, and things yeah. like that. And it makes, I think, it, I think it makes a difference. I mean, it's crazy. It's not, it's not like a huge act, but just those small acts can make such a big difference. That That's something that, that I, uh, especially when it was, when like the social climate around cops was, was during COVID and all that was a uh, real negative. Um, I, I really fell for, for cops at that time. And anytime I'd, I'd see a cop, like and I had the opportunity, I'll just thank them or, or give them a wave or something. Right. Just because I'm like, it must suck to just feel all this negativity towards you just because of a uniform. And, and <laughs> I, I always liked when uh, you know the the little kids would get all excited when you wave at them. And oh yeah, <laughs> it was always pretty cool. Uh, I kept uh, uh, the stuff in the trunk where it was like uh, it was like the little sticker badges. Yeah, you and, brought them to my fourth grade class. You, you brought your cop car, car once, and you brought the badges. I remember everyone yeah, was pumped up. Yeah, so the little little badges and erasers and, and just little, little stuff like that. It was always cool to uh, stop and give it to the kids and because they got super excited about it. And then, uh, so one, my pet peeve, one thing used to always make me angry is uh, when I would see, like, kids waving, and then the... Uh, Whoever they were waving to, not waving back. I know it sounds petty, but to me, it's like, why, why, why would you not wave back at some kid who's who's basically, you know, excited to see you there, uh, you know, because all oh, of the cop car lights and sirens, you know. Yeah. Uh, and don't you want to build a relationship with the community you're working in, you know? And I, I'm not saying it would happen often, but sometimes it would happen, and I'm like, yeah, you know, it, it would take what a, a two second effort just to work, throw your hand up there and wave at this you know this kid or whatever but uh fortunately uh most guys and gals were like myself where you know if, if the kid's out there and maybe blip the siren for them sound you know hit the hit the air horn for them or whatever uh, uh they get a kick out of that but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I always thought it was pretty cool to you know make, make a little kid's day doing something small like that no that's pretty cool and um, another thing that was that's cool, that I don't know if this just came out of uh, working in the sheriff's department or if it came out of Marines or both, but you've always been super fit. And, I mean, you taught me how to lift, I think, when I was a freshman or sophomore. And ever since then, I've been obsessed with fitness. And you're a big reason for that because I remember you would always flex and stuff <laughs> when, when we were younger. And I just remember you had this humongous bicep, and I was I always wanted to be buff. And... Um, yeah, so I, not, well, now your bicep's bigger than mine. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how what got you into working out, and how how did you sustain that for for such a long period? Uh, I say, I, I've always enjoyed physical fitness. Uh, I say the Marine Corps actually probably instills that. I mean, we'll go back. I mean, in high school, I I wrestled, uh, but then back then I. Uh, there was no working out is, is you got worked out when you participate in the sport, but then when the Marine Corps where fitness was huge, uh, and then, uh, getting on the Marine Corps, uh, from that point on, I think, I think the Marine Corps like instilled, uh, the, the, the fitness quite a bit. But when I got to the jails, actually, 
uh, it's where I got really serious about working out, where it was like, you know, and, and back then it was all about how much weight you could push. <laughs> yeah. that, that was a big thing. It's like, what's your, what's your max bench? What, <laughs> you know, all that. What, what's your max squat? <laughs> but uh, uh, that's where uh, I really got into a routine and consistently worked out. Uh, and from, from then on, uh, working out is just like part of my life. It's just like part of what I do. And if, if I go for like, you know, a week or two without working out, then I, I can feel it. You know, yeah. I could feel like, oh man, it's just, I, I feel off with, that, with not working out or trying to stay in shape. And, and you're not like happy with yourself for, for not going parties. Like, dang, I know I need to do this. Yeah. You know, and as we get older, we come up with like, you know, better strategies and better routines and uh, different workout philosophies. And, and it's all about picking and choosing what works best for you. And, and uh, it's just about doing something. I mean, it's just about, Eight weights may not be everybody's thing, but you know, uh, you know, ride a bike. But if you uh, don't lift, you're soft. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I think you have to. I think it's important to have a, a combination of, of weight training and and when I say weight training, it could be your own body weight. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to like push weight. You could do, you know, uh, basically uh, body exercise routines. But uh, super important that that you do something. Yeah, you. I, that routine is huge for me at least. A routine is, is everything. Like if if I'm not in a routine, it's so so much easier for me to uh, squeak out of a workout and and pass on a workout. Or so like once I get that routine going, especially the morning ones are the hardest to get going for me. Um, but it feels so good when you get the routine going and you're like a month or two months into your routine. It, and then it's it's not even a challenge. Any, I mean, working out's a challenge, but as far as getting yourself there, showing up, it, it doesn't become a challenge. Like you said, it's just what I do. Yeah, it's just about, I mean, even if I know life gets in the way, but it's even, okay, well, I got to do this, so I'll squeeze it in here at this time, or or this instead of taking this day off this week, I'm taking a different day off this week. And uh, But... I mean, you've also done a lot of other uh, really cool fitness stuff. You've done triathlons. You've done what a hundred mile bike ride. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I did century the, ride. I did right? the, the sprint triathlons, which are the the short version. <laughs> yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> yeah, the the one uh, Big Bear where you kicked my butt, I, if I remember right. We don't have to talk about the other one. What happened at the other one? <laughs> yeah, we, we won't talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll share it real quick. Our first triathlon. Where was it? Was it in Malibu? Malibu. Yeah, it was in Malibu, and it was, it was. Was it winter? No, but it, it was fall. But uh, it was still the water was cold, so you you really should have worn a wetsuit. Yeah, but we we're in water polo, and we were like, oh no, we'll wear speedos. We'll be cool. I swim better in a speedo. I don't want to wear a wetsuit. That's some weird water polo thing where once you wear a speedo, then you feel like you always need to wear a speedo. <laughs> um, and I will never wear a speedo again. But uh, thank goodness <laughs> we go in. So we're getting ready to do our first leg, which is like the swim. And it's in the ocean water. And that ocean water was freezing. I felt like I had to be like 40 or something. Um, I Maybe uh, it was probably more like 60. But <laughs> it was definitely not 60. No way. I hit the cold plunge and it, did, it felt like the cold plunge. <laughs> uh, and then I, I go in and I just feel like my body tighten up my heart. It was like probably my first time ever being in that cold of water. And then I was like, I'm going to drown. Like, <laughs> there's no way. So I, 
I instantly come back out of the water. Everyone's running towards the water, swimming, and then so I have to like I'm faking this shoulder shoulder injury. I'm like <laughs> rolling my arm around, and then this little kid like runs up to me, "Hey, Mister, are you okay?" And <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, I just hurt my shoulder. <laughs> I just hurt my pride. That's <laughs> all." <laughs> yeah, so I always remember that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but they're they're fun. They're good. They're good mental challenges. Cardio is a really good mental challenge, especially um, those longer distances. Yeah, well, have, having a, having goals like a lot of, a lot of times ha- having a goal like a competing in a bike ride or a triathlon or whatever. Uh, that makes that makes it. Uh, I don't want to say easier to work out, but it gives you that drive to not skip a workout because you know you're training for something. And but uh, when you don't have those kind of events planned, then it, uh, the thing is just striving to like uh, you know you want a certain body image. Uh, you want to you want to feel good cardio wise. Uh, I mean you, you gotta create your own little goals of, of why you're working out. Are you, are, are you like are you see improvement and you're like oh that's cool. I want I want to make my arms bigger. I want to try to make my chest bigger. I want to. Uh, I want to be able to do a uh, you know a 50 mile bike ride, and then uh, I want to do a 100 mile bike ride, and so I think uh, having some, some some kind of goal that you're always you know trying to achieve is important. Yeah, that's huge. That's something me and Sarah were talking about, um, or we always talk about just having goals, like uh, short term goals that you want to hit, and then those longer term goals you want to hit. And something interesting that you told me that really stuck with me is like. A lot of times people have those goals, um, but then they don't set, okay, well, once I reach that goal, what's what's after that? Um, not in the sense, like, then you need to build another goal, but at least I like, have a plan after because sometimes we just like let our foot off the gas after, and then a lot of what you work for, you lose. Like At least in my experience with macros, like, oh, my goal is to go get a, a six-pack, uh, reduce my, my body fat, and then you get there. But then you didn't really think about after. So you got there and then after, like, okay, cool. And then you just let your foot completely off the gas versus. Right. It's a week recuperation. I'm going to take a week off and just recuperate. Then that week turns into a month. And then, you know, it's real easy to slip into that. It's, uh, it's a real slippery slope because uh, you can lose gains relatively quickly. But then it takes a bit. It takes a minute to build them back up to where you had them before. I mean, you have that muscle memory and stuff like that that make it quicker than uh, most people, but still, uh, it doesn't take long to, to lose those gains. I know. That's why I felt when the gyms closed because of COVID. Uh, yeah. I weren't able to lift for like a year. It did It did come back, and it's pretty impressive how that it does come back so pretty quickly. I mean, you still got to put in work consistently, but it's right. just, it just, I'm like, dang, like it's, if only it was uh, easier. Like, you know how gaining weight is so easy? But losing weight so hard, I'm like, why? Why does it have to be that? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, working on that myself. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you're retired right now. You got plenty of time. You're good. (laughs) Um, Last thing that that way I can respect your time. um, Just uh, marriage. You and mom, you've been married for how long? Since 1988. So we're coming up on 33 years. Dang, that's, that's awesome. So, uh, what's your guys' secret? <laughs> I mean, because you guys not only married, but at least from the outside looking in, and I'm pretty sure I can say this, you guys are happily married. And um, that's something that 
I'm very lucky to have two parents who modeled what a healthy relationship is, what love looks like, um, and, and all those things. So what, what, what's helped you along the way with that? Uh, well, I mean, first I got to go back to God. I think, uh, having, uh, a relationship with God first, it, uh, is what helps our relationship. Um, if you think of that, if you think of a picture of a cross, uh, you got the vertical beam up and down, and and that's considered uh, uh, that's the relationship between you and God. And then the crossbar or the cross beam uh, is that's you and your spouse. So if the vertical is on point, then the horizontal uh, is on point. So, uh, but I will add that. Uh, you got you got to be able to compromise. Uh, that's that's huge. It can't when you go from single to being married. Uh, then it's it's not two lives anymore. It's, it's one life. It's a, a shared life. It's it's a whole different ball game uh, than than, the, than uh, prior when you're coming from your your single life uh, background. Then you come together into that combined life. I'm slowly learning that. <laughs> uh, and and uh, you have you have to be able to compromise and um and what you should do i believe is you should try to put your your better half first like uh our goal as men i mean i, I i'm old-fashioned i still think you know we're, we're there to uh protect our families and you know uh that old school way of thinking uh but I think hey, uh, women are independent now. They can protect themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I am definitely more fortunate than, than most. Uh, uh, your mom is a great, great woman. Uh, she, uh, she, she's definitely made me a better man than, uh, than I, I, than I am on my own for sure. Uh, and I'm very fortunate and grateful, uh, have that beautiful young lady as my wife <laughs> and uh but I, I think and it's it's like a daily battle uh you know throughout your throughout your whole marriage is uh trying to uh basically understand what the needs of your partner are and uh that's big right yeah i mean trying and to everyone loves with, differently too yeah yeah and it's it's just a matter of it, it's it's a constant thing. It, it's, it doesn't end. I mean, it's, it's, I was really hoping you weren't going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say it, it's, it's a battle because so many things can get in the way. So many things can like pull people apart. And, uh, but again, for, for myself is I think the relationship with God has to be solid first. And then, uh, the relationship with your, with your, uh, significant other, uh, will definitely uh, be better off and uh any other words of advice uh yeah like conflict like if conflict arises how would you guys handle I, I, conflict? I think what's important and i think mom and i have practices is you never go to bed mad you never go to bed mad at each other um and for for whatever the argument may have been about whatever the issue may have, may have been uh you know resolve it before you go to sleep that night don't don't let it drag on to the next day uh because uh that stuff festers 
and uh, you know it, it, it. And then I, when that happens, it's just way easier to get in your head and your sense of righteousness of why you're right or they're wrong, and then it could probably like escalate it even. Do you, oh yeah, I, I I mean we I mean we get inside of our heads and we start like uh, I don't know uh, you could get to the point where we're like. Well, I don't have to put up with this crap, or why? Why do I have to deal with this, or why do I have to deal with that? Well, yeah. it's because you're married now. It's because <laughs> you, you know uh, you made a commitment to each other for the rest of your lives, and uh, and definitely uh, you, know, you can't go by that idea that the grass is greener because uh, it's not, and uh, that's why it's you know it's so important to again you know fig- figure out what what. Uh, your partner needs and uh what's what's missing and 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 be able to be able to talk and have a conversation about it like you know I, because i i suck at, at guessing and reading things uh as far as uh seeing what, what the problem is so so sometimes it helps just to ask the question what do you need what 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 would make what would make it better for us uh as far as what I can do uh, for you or with you or, and, and a lot of times it's really simple. It's, it's a lot of times just, they just want somebody to listen uh, and not fix it. Uh, well, yeah. I, I'll do this. Well, you tell me this, I'm going <laughs> to do, do this and fix it. Uh, no, it's like a, uh, a lot of times is they just want to vent and to be listened to and uh, uh, to be heard. And, you know, if you're like me, most guys are all about, well, tell me what the problem is and I'll fix it. And, you know, <laughs> all right, we're done. Uh, back, they're back telling the- <laughs> you, they're telling you the, the issues and then you're all coming up with solutions as they're talking and you're, <laughs> oh, you're yeah. like, no, yeah, do not interrupt while they're, while they're talking with the, with the fix it plan. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I see. So that's, uh, that's my words of advice anyway. All right. And how about to, uh, the fathers out there? What, what advice do you have to the fathers out there? Because uh, f- you're the gold standard father right here. <laughs> you might need another standard because I I make plenty of mistakes uh, with you boys uh, <laughs> raising you up. Uh, but I'd say for the fathers, uh, always be an available father. I'll always be there for your kids. Uh, and I mean, it, it's it's important that, that you, you set the example like... Because I don't care what it is, uh, kids, especially when they're young and you know really susceptible to, you know, all the influences, is they they look to their dads for uh, how to be men, and you know how how they should act or be. Uh, so uh, I mean, make it to their ball games, uh, be there for practices. You know, be, uh, be there to practice at your own house, whether there is, is playing ball or uh, whatever the activity may be. And you may not like if you're like me, I'm not a great ball player, uh, but I can I can throw a catch. All right. Uh, you and your brothers were by far much greater athletes and ball players than I ever was. But uh, I, I would always work with you guys in those young years. Oh, yeah. Helping you uh, practice yeah. and all that. But uh would bug you come you come home after a tired day of work or whatever and play catch with me, play catch with me. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that it would be really easy to say, you know, not I oh, will do it another time, another time. But 
those are the most important times is, is when you are tired and, and, and feel beat down from a day's work or whatever. But uh, just getting out there and, and uh, being with your kids and, and helping them, uh, playing with them. Uh, uh, just stay away from the stuff like boxing. Don't, bo- don't box your kids. Are you going to call me out like that? <laughs> I boxed you one time. You're lucky I didn't knock you out. <laughs> no, nah, I'll, t- I'll tell this story real quick. We were boxing. Look, how old was I? 15, 14. All right, let's call it 12, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I challenge you to a, a boxing match. So we go outside. I have a headset on, um, put the gloves on. Keep in mind, you went through the Marines, <laughs> law enforcement. <laughs> no, I'm just fine. So um, we start we start boxing, and I think my mom's recording or something. And you're just, like, poking me with these little jabs, which – for my, I was feeling like I was getting rocked every time I was getting hit. Like I was like, I had never been punched in the face before outside of like maybe Nick a couple of times. And I just like felt like the ground was shaking for a second. And then I got all, all pissed off and I threw down my headset. <laughs> and, and then um, later we watched the video and you were barely touching me. And I was just like, wow, that's so embarrassing. Uh, but what, one thing that that I, when I think of you, cause you were never like a heavy lecturer. Like you you were not one that was gonna like lecture us heavily unless mom's like, go talk to them or something <laughs> or she's just sick of us. Um, and that's usually where we had just continuously done the same thing over and over again and needed a talking to. But like uh, what I got from you a lot of it is just like you, like you mentioned, like by your actions. Cause I didn't realize it, but when you're little, you really pick up so much stuff by not like what people tell you, but how they act, how they carry themselves. Um, as a kid, you can sense like anger and tension and all that kind of stuff. And you always did a, a good job of modeling, um, calmness, uh, patience. Um, I mean, I could count on my fingers how many times you, you yelled. You, you never were like a yeller. You didn't need to assert your presence to us or anything like that. I'm saving it up. <laughs> <laughs> you had to save it for uh, the the academy when you're young at all those cadets. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, trust me, I, I did a bit of loud talking in those days, but <laughs> uh, it's been a while. But um, thanks for, uh, for coming on the podcast, Dad. I, I appreciate it. You know, um, you're tired, so I just wanted to get you on, talk a little bit about your career and um, yeah, you're just a, a great human being, and I just wanted to share you with my 11 listeners out there. <laughs> well, well, those words are, are way too kind and, and undeserved, but uh, I appreciate it nonetheless. All right, thanks, Dad.